Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, our topic will be on the Jewish Biblical Spring Feasts. And our scripture for today is from Exodus 12, 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Yeah, that's good. All right. So this, this week, many will be celebrating Easter. And it is in remembrance of Jesus dying on the cross for all of our sins. And he was then, of course, resurrected three days later. Our Savior is risen. But this week is also very important because it's one of the four Jewish spring feasts that's celebrated. And this week's celebration is known as the Passover. So Passover begins on sunset of Wednesday, April the 5th, and it ends on nightfall of Thursday, April the 13th of 2023. It celebrates one of the most important events in Jewish history, God's redemption of the Jewish people from their enslavement in Egypt. But it also commemorates the entire process of redemption from the earliest days of Egyptian slavery to the epic ten plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians as punishment. The Jewish feasts were arranged in such a way as to remind the Jewish people of God and His ways, but to also point to a Messiah, which is our Savior, And that promised one is Jesus. Mm -hmm. There are three very important cycles for God's people in the Bible. These cycles were designed designed to break the power of the enemy and draw them closer to God with an ever-increasing revelation of his blessing. And I got this information that we're going to talk about from a book called A Time to Advance by Chuck Pierce and Robert and Linda Heidler. The first is a weekly Shabbat cycle that was instituted when God created the world. God's plan was that man was to work diligently for six days and take the seventh day as a Sabbath day of rest. In Hebrew, this is called Shabbat, a special day set apart to rest, to enjoy God's goodness and blessing while meditating on the glories of the heavens and earth. And next is a monthly celebration, and that one is known as the First Fruits. The Jewish people call it Rosh Kadesh. I hope I said that right. Rosh Kadesh. Yeah. Rosh Kadesh. Mm-hmm. This is taught in the Bible, but most Christians do not celebrate the First Fruits. And then there's the yearly cycle of life, which is marked by a series of feasts or appointed times. These were designed to take us through the key steps to deepen our walk with the Lord and release the power of God by experiencing the blessings of the feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Well, you know, we must remember that the feasts not only provide historical teachings and spiritual implications, but also prophetic applications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And many of the secrets of God's plan for the ages were in the Levitical feasts. Michael Norton in his book, Unlocking the Secrets of Feasts, writes, If you seriously study the feasts, you will experience a blessing that will be beyond your expectation. God has packed a lot of information into the observances of the seven feasts in Leviticus 23. God emphatically said in Leviticus 23.2 that, These were his feasts that he designated for the Jews to observe and learn about him. We all want to learn more about him, right? Right. Absolutely. God revealed his plan for the ages by the details of the feasts, both biblical and traditional. Norton describes the feasts such that they are similar to a program we receive before a play or music show. You know, when you want to know. Yeah, it's a rehearsal. The order. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. What's going to happen. 
The seven feasts of God are his program laid out for us to know what Christ, his son, is doing in the world. There are two different groupings of feasts, the spring and the fall feasts, and we covered the fall feasts last year in a previous episode. We interviewed a friend of ours, Rhonda Simon, and she did a great job explaining the Jewish fall feasts. If you'd like to go back and listen, it was episode 16. And the separate groupings are significant, and timing between the feasts are important. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yep. The spring feasts picture the events surrounding Jesus Christ's first coming, and the fall feast picture the events surrounding his second coming. Mm-hmm. So God also said these feasts are his feasts and not Israel's. Leviticus 12, 1-2 through 2 says, The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. Yeah. God emphasized that these appointed times are his appointed times. I love how he talks about the emphasized, I guess is the word I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. He emphasizes that he appointed these times. So we need to listen to that and understand that God did it, listen to it, because there's a reason for it. Right. Right. And it's all perfectly designed. And what's going on in the world, right. in our own lives, mm-hmm. and you know, it all revolves around His, his time. His times. Yeah. And when we get off that track, it's when we experience what we're experiencing, which is chaos. And confusion. Right. It's supposed right. to be peace. That's right. Yep. So here's a quick rev- overview of all seven of the feasts. The four spring feasts, which have all been fulfilled in the events relating to Christ's first coming, are the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of Pentecost. Right. And the three fall feasts are the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, and the Jewish New Year, or the Jewish New Year. Right. Um, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. 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 Yeah, Sukkot. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yeah. We are looking forward to the fulfillment of the remaining fall feasts relating to Christ's second coming. Right. So, Passover, the major Jewish spring feast that commemorates the liberation of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and the passing over of the forces of destruction, or the sparing of the firstborn of the Israelites, is when the Lord struck with a firm blow the land of Egypt. Right. And in the book, A Time to Advance, um, written by Chuck Pearson, Robert Heidler, and his wife, Linda. The one I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Robert gives a great description on Passover. He says, the feast of Passover occurs in the spring, which is the time to clean house. I like that. I like to clean house. Yes. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I love it. It's time to clean house both physically and spiritually. Yeah. So each year before Passover, every Jewish family searched their house and removed all leaven. Yes. Anything made with yeast. Leaven symbolized impurity. The physical house cleaning represented the necessary spiritual checkup, a major step in deliverance, which God established as as the first element in his yearly cycle of feasts. Right. And coming into the Passover season, examine your heart and ask, what do I need to be delivered of this year? Yep. Have any big or little sins of impurity crept into my life over the past year? Passover reminds us of God's power to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt in the past, which, as a remembrance, fills us with faith for the future. That's so good. Yeah, and you know, about cleaning house and did any sins of impurity creep in, you know, the enemy's always on us, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's 
it's a good time to just reevaluate and just kind of stop and think of like what's going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, do I have the peace of God? Do I have some stuff that's chaotic or not? It, it just feels the opposite of what God would want for you. Right. It's like right. cleaning out your closets. Yeah. You know, do I need this? Do yeah. I use this anymore? Exactly. Okay, this needs to go. This stays. You know, yeah. this is important. This is not. Yep. You know, get rid of it. Right. Yeah. That's why it's spring cleaning. You yeah. know, in the spring, but the it all lines up with God's timing yes, too. Absolutely. That's right. Mm-hmm. So Passover lasts seven or eight days from the 15th day of Nisan, the first month of Avis or spring. Right. On these seven or eight days, all leaven, whether in bread or other mixture, is prohibited, and only unleavened bread called matzah may be eaten. The matzah symbolizes both the Hebrew suffering while in bondage and the haste with which they left Egypt. Yes. And the Feast of First Fruits, it's a biblical feast celebrating the first harvest of crops. It was for worship, signifying the giving of God the best of their harvest. Yeah. And in, in this same book that we've been referring to, A Time to Advance, Robert Heidler says the first the feast of first fruits is included in Passover as a time to give a first fruits offering at the beginning of God's cycle to secure his provision in the year ahead. Yeah. That would be very important. Yeah, most definitely. I love how they they explain how all these things they have purpose, they have meaning. Like you said, God knows what He's doing. Yeah, He knows every detail. Yeah, it's so amazing how it all comes together. The feast of unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits takes place during the time of Passover. Right. And then we have the feast of Pentecost, which occurs fifty days after Passover. Right. It commemorates the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and other followers of Jesus Christ while they were in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Weeks as described in Acts. Robert Heidler says, Pentecost was the time to bring the first fruits of the wheat harvest to the Lord and thank Him for His physical provision. And this feast was also a celebration of Torah, His revelation in His Word. God gave the Torah to Moses at Pentecost. So Pentecost is the time to fall in love with God's word all over again. And many Christians don't realize that Pentecost was instituted as an Old Testament celebration. Yeah. In the New Testament times, Pentecost was celebrated by gathering with friends and staying up all night studying the scriptures, which is probably what the disciples were doing that night in the upper room before the Holy Spirit fell on them on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Wow. And finally, Pentecost is a celebration of the Holy Spirit. This feast provides a time to be refilled with the Spirit and gain new vision for fulfilling His great commission into the world. Because of the prophetic season in which we're living, millions of Christians around the world are realizing that it's good and pleasing to the Lord to celebrate Jesus in the feast. Right. There's a number of benefits Christians are experiencing by doing this. Some of, the, some of them are as follows. Well, we get a better understanding of the Bible, right? right? Which is always good. A rediscovery of the Jewish roots of Christianity, Mm -hmm. a fuller comprehension of God's plan of redemption. We get a renewed passion for Jesus. We get greater insights into God's prophetic seasons, Mm -hmm. clearer and more powerful teachings through individual aids, a discovery of the biblical church calendar. Right. A love for the Jewish people and understanding of the role of Israel in the Bible prophecy and current events. Yeah, that's good. And spiritual growth and bonding among family members. This is exciting that we can experience these benefits and realize them in our own lives and churches or Bible studies by celebrating the Feast of the Lord as we find our fulfillment in Jesus. 
This isn't something we do as a way of identifying with Jesus, our Jewish Lord. It is a blessing, not a burden. It is an act of love, not legalism. Right. So when Christians celebrate Jesus in the feast, they're not putting themselves under the law or trying to be Jews. Right. They're simply expressing their desire to return to the biblical roots of the faith. Yeah, that's right. so true. Right. And these desires come from the Spirit of God who birthed them in the heart of every believer. That's right. And responding to these desires is wholly a matter of God's grace and not in any way a matter of legalism. Right. Right. So in Dr. Richard Booker's book, Celebrating Jesus in the Biblical Feasts, it states, the Hebrew word that means seasons or feasts of the Lord in the book of Leviticus is moed. Yeah. And God established these celebrations when he brought the Hebrews out of Egypt. I quoted the scripture earlier about what God told Moses about the feasts. Many people think they're about an elaborate banquet or Jewish meal. Rather, God said these are his feasts. They are the feasts of Yahweh. Yeah. We can think of them as religious gatherings. Right. right? right. Yeah. And so the Hebrew word for sacred assembly is mirab. I hope I'm saying that right. Which means dress rehearsal. Yeah. So the Jews would act out through a dress rehearsal for the purpose of revealing the Messiah and learning the overall redemptive and prophetic plan of God. In reviewing the Spring Feast, they were very important visual aids for the Jewish people and now we as Christians. Each of the seven feasts points to our Messiah, and each uniquely portrays a particular aspect of his life and ministry. So, taken as a whole, they form a complete picture of the person and work of the Messiah and steps one must take to walk in the peace, power, and rest of God. Jesus not only celebrated these festivals himself, but every major redemptive event in his life also happened on a feast day. Again. Isn't that amazing? God knows what he's doing. Right. It's his timing, right? So, he can do things in his timing. Right. Right. Yeah. I love it. Brings more attention back to him. Right. Yes. Yep. But he's the one doing it all, so he should absolutely get the glory. Right. Right. It seems it would be very important that Jesus celebrated these festivals and was the spiritual reality of all of them, Mm -hmm. and that it would be very important to learn how these feasts pointed to him and what they can mean for us. Yes. And since we all need God's peace, power, and rest, it seems it would be beneficial for us believers to understand how the feasts help us internalize the redemptive work of Jesus in our lives. Right. Dr. Booker goes on to say, Our world today is no different from the world of the Bible in that we're still seeking peace. Nations are frantically seeking peace to avoid a nuclear holocaust. Right. And Israel's trying in vain to live in peace with their neighbors. Individuals are seeking peace within themselves, peace with God, and peace in their relationships. Mm -hmm. We will never have peace until we submit ourselves to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Right. The Feast of Passover teaches us how to have peace with God through a personal relationship with Jesus as our Passover lamb. Through the Feast of Passover, unleavened bread and first fruits, we're not only learn, we don't only learn how to have peace with God, but also the peace of God. Yes. And the Feast of Pentecost teaches us how to receive the power of God and appropriate it in our everyday lives. This is a tremendous amount of prophetic significance in the Jewish calendar. Yeah. And a time and sequence of the feasts reveal the overall prophetic plan of God. They help us to learn how to apply spiritual truths in our personal lives and teach us how to know Jesus and walk with him. We can find out how God has been restoring the spiritual realities of these feasts through the history of the church. 
Jesus' blood serves as our covering against the justice brought against us due to our sin. He was crucified on the day the Jews slaughtered lambs in preparation for Passover the next day. The unleavened bread describes Jesus' sinless life. Leaven is symbolic, you know, Susan already talked about it, but it's symbolic of sin throughout the Bible. He was without sin and therefore a blameless, spotless, perfect sacrifice for our sins. His body remained in the grave during the beginning days of the feast, and he, like a planted seed, would resurrect into new life. Jesus was resurrected on the day of first fruits, becoming the first to defeat death and offer us new life. And this is one reason Paul refers to Jesus as the first fruits of the dead. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Fifty days after the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. And Susan just talked about that as well. Several sacrifices were made during the Weeks Festival, which is tied to the theme of harvest. And it was at Pentecost in Acts 2 that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. From my research, I discovered that Jesus died on Friday, April the 3rd, AD 33, and he was resurrected from the dead on Sunday, April the 5th, AD 33. And I found a couple of other articles that go into great detail about Christ, his death and resurrection. And so I want to list, the, I will list the links in the notes section for this episode for the rest of these. The significance of Christ's death was the shedding of innocent blood the perfect and final sacrifice for human sin. But what is the significance for us if he was raised? 1 Peter 1, 3-7 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of, of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through those many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Jesus had to die, and we had to be crucified with him to get to this point. And what an astounding difference his, resur- his resurrection mm-hmm. makes to us, right? Yes. So in the mercy of the Father, through the resurrection of Jesus, God has given us two crucial things, new birth and a living hope. The death and resurrection of Christ are equally important. His death and resurrection accomplish separate but necessarily related things. The cross of Christ won for us the victory that we, would, we could never have won for ourselves. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So on the cross, God piled our sins on Jesus, and he bore the punishment due to us. Isaiah 53.4-8 says, Yet it was our, weakness he car- our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Mm. He was whipped so we could be healed. Wow. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. 
but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just think about that. You know, Easter's coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Think about what he did for us, what he did for you. I think I, I go through all of that I just, in my mind oh. every time I take communion. Yeah. You know, yes. And, and again, it's just by his stripes, I am healed. healed. Everything mm-hmm. he did brought healing, deliverance, right. completion for us. And he chose to go. Yeah. He did. He chose. Yeah. He wasn't a victim. Right. And right. He did that for mm. us. And imagine, you know, sometimes we feel rejection in our life yeah. from someone. Right? Oh, can you just imagine? He had the ultimate rejection. Right. He, so when we have it, he totally understands. I mean, he loves us so much, and what he endured for us is well. His love is just mind-boggling. Yeah, we can't we can't, can't comprehend, comprehend that. Right. The depth of it. Right. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So in his death, Jesus took upon himself the curses that were introduced by Adam and Eve. With his death, our sins become powerless to rule over us. By his death, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, condemned Satan, and crushed the head of the serpent. Thank you, Jesus. Without the sacrificial death of Christ, we would still be in our sins, unforgiven, unredeemed, unsaved, and unloved. The cross of Christ is vital to our salvation. But the story of Jesus Christ did not end with his death. The resurrection of Christ is also foundational to the gospel message. Our salvation stands or falls based on the bodily resurrection of Jesus, as Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians 15, 12-19. It says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised again, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Mm. If Christ is not physically risen from the dead, then we have no hope of resurrection. The apostles' preaching was in vain, and believers are all to be pitied. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Without the resurrection, we are still sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, waiting for the sunrise. That is from Luke 179. So because of his resurrection, his promise holds true for us. John 14, 19 says, Because I live, you will also live. Our great enemy, death, will be defeated. Through Jesus' resurrection, through that monumental event, God declares us righteous. According to Romans 4.25, Jesus was raised to life for our justification. The gift of the Holy Spirit was sent from the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, he would have failed in his prophecies. He would have been yet another false prophet to be ignored. And as it is, however, we have a living Lord faithful to his word. And the angel at Jesus' empty tomb was able to point to fulfill prophecy. Matthew 28, 6 says, He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Should we as Christians observe or celebrate the Jewish feast today? The Old Testament states that they are to be observed forever, but the New Testament writers reveal to us that it's not really necessary. 
As Susan and Kathy have explained, the feasts were prophetic observances of the coming of Jesus the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. But I think there are benefits to us as Gentile Christians to know and understand our Jewish roots and have a richer understanding of what Jesus has accomplished for us. You know, everything that was commanded for the Israelites to observe was a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection to correct what went wrong in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the feasts have great symbolic meaning for our lives and help us to see the fullness of what we've been rescued from. Right. So Colossians 2, 16 through 17 says that the feasts are a shadow of the realities that are in Jesus, who is the main focus of the feasts. The Colossians were encouraged to allow no one to judge them with regard to a feast, a new moon, or a Sabbath day. The New Testament scriptures do not explicitly require the observance of the holy days by the Gentiles, which are us. Right. So we want to avoid making any requirement that Gentiles observe these days in the same manner that you know they are demanded of the Jewish people. Right. But in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So there are benefits in understanding the fullness of God's word and his ways and how that he fulfilled the scriptures through bringing his son into the world to fulfill everything necessary for all mankind to be brought back to himself. You know, years ago, I went with some friends one time to a local messianic Jewish temple. You know, it's, it's just here in our area. And we celebrated Yom Kippur. And I personally thought that it was beautiful, and I felt a very deep pride in knowing that we as Gentile believers have the privilege and the blessing of being grafted into God's family. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Right. Yeah. Yes. He, didn't leave, he doesn't leave anybody out. <clears throat> right. Oh, he loves everybody. Yes. Yeah. And so when I, I saw how they treasured God's word, you know, being brought around on this huge scroll, they, like they paraded it around the temple, and each person had an opportunity to touch the scroll or even kiss it. And I felt a greater appreciation for, for God's word truly being holy and revered by his, his people. You know, I, I grew up with Bibles around my house everywhere, you yeah, know, right. and they were, they were collecting dust and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you'd have your Bible that you used all the time. Right. But there's just such a, a reverence for God's word being holy. Yes. And, and not just a Bible that you don't touch, but holy and revered, like this is actually God's words. Yeah, you know, yeah. and when I saw it being paraded around like that, and people going and just like touching it like it was this holy object, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. it is. It's right. a, it's not an object, but it's God's holy spoken yes. word, word, right? Great. And so it just gave me a whole different, you know, take on it. Right. So it was a really good That's experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, th I think any Gentile believer who wishes to participate with Jewish congregations as a guest may experience a, a spiritual en enrichment and greater revelation of Jesus as a result of participating in those kind of observances, you know, of the biblical feasts and the holy days. I mean, I, I, I totally recommend it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. However, I will say there are many Christians that think that biblical feasts are irrelevant to us, and I think that that's just cutting God short of blessing your life with greater revelation and meaning. Right. You know, yes. we can get real religious in our thinking. Yeah. And I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit what He thinks. Well, that's what He's taking us away from. Right. Right now. Right. You know, the feasts of Israel. Right. Yeah. Right. The feasts of Israel are, are revelatory and they teach us about God's provision for our needs. 
the work of the Messiah Jesus and are prophetic for the end of this age and the and the age to come. Right. Understanding the feast is part of understanding the Bible. Right. Basically. Yeah. So why did Jesus die during Passover? Why was he raised from the dead on the first fruits? Why does the book of Hebrews interpret the atonement of Jesus based on the day of atonement as here shown in like in, in Hebrews chapters I think it's chapters 7 through 9, right? The feasts show us the connection between what was observed in the past and what is a reality for us now. You know, what a blessing it is to see the puzzle pieces connected and the puzzle complete. Yeah. It's so true. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I also think it's a good idea that churches teach on the feasts during the seasons that Jewish people celebrate them. This brings out the reality, you know, that the church is in an international people. Yes. Like, we're an international people joined to Israel. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. And it gives a unity to us. Yeah. You know, as God's whole. Right. Mm -hmm. The whole of his people, Mm -hmm. right? You know, many people people do Passover Seder demonstrations for churches. They'll come in and do a Seder demonstration, which I we've done that. We've done that when our Bible study is in our Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And it just gives the reverence and the holiness. Yeah. When you're going through the whole thing, you just it just your heart is just so connected to God. Yeah, well, right, is, because you can read and understand something or yes. hear somebody talk about it, but to actually do it, participate, participate yes. and go through the Beautiful. motions of it, you really get the depth of it. Right. There's so much symbolism, like the bread, the matzo bread right. has stripes on it, right. which are the stripes that Jesus wore. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can't... Um, there's the bitter herbs the bitter and you know herbs. of them going through the wilderness and yes. the bitterness of their you know time in the wilderness. So right. there's lots of different things that you eat. Right. You know, uh, there's the honey. Right. You know, representing the sweetness of, you know, the new promised land. Yes. You know, so there's just different things that you go through and just so you're not only participating, you're tasting it, and you're understanding it, in yeah. a whole different way. Yes. Right. And it's a blessing. Right. Yes. Right. So, you know, all of this, it's it's just always good, and it fills your heart with a, a faith and a thankfulness to look back and remember all that God has brought us through and done for our lives, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, some Christians believe that we should just keep the feasts and observe particular days of the year as Sabbath feast days, but I don't believe that that is, you know, necessary. Yeah. No, because when we make it necessary, we're getting back to legalism or like a spirit of religion. Right. 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 Right, because Christ's work in coming to this earth, living a sinless life of obedience to God, dying on the cross, you know, fulfilling a covenant that we could not humanly fulfill, right. resurrecting from the dead, and one day he'll return for his bride. Right. Right. That's what we're right. looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So we can definitely join in and celebrate all that Jesus has fulfilled and looked, and we can look forward to his glory coming and filling the entire earth. Yeah, you yes. know. I am so amazed at how God arranged everything so perfectly. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. he still knows. What right, he doing. still does. <laughs> right, he is God. And I want to close with a few things from the book that you mentioned earlier, Susan. That book is called A Time to Advance. Mm-hmm. Robert Heidler said, These feasts were designed by God because he knew, God knew, we were going to be engaged in battles against powers and principalities, against dark forces of evil in the world. Warfare can be intense. I think we can all testify oh, to that. Oh, yeah. Yes. So on the battlefield, we, we must always be alert and diligent and press on through to victory. Therefore, whether, whether on a real physical battlefield of war or simply in the day-to-day struggles of life, he wants us to know there's rest. And he's calling us to that rest. And rest is part of God's will for us. 
He could have designed our bodies to go 24-7 or given us eyes like a cat to see in the dark so we could <laughs> you know, work without stopping, but he didn't. His plan was that we would take time to rest every day. We rest when we sleep. God gave us this time of daily rest to recharge our bodies in order to maintain the strength and stamina we need to go about our daily lives and fulfill his purposes. If you rest, you'll be happier, stronger, more prosperous, and you'll live longer. That's always a win. Mm-hmm. You know, God has a purpose for his yearly cycle of life that is marked by a series of feasts or appointed times. He wants us to enjoy him and experience his goodness as we celebrate the cycle of his feast every year. Each time you go through the cycle, God meets with you and draws you closer to him. And in this process, the destructive strategies of the enemy in your life are broken. Wow. So when you learn to flow in God's yearly cycle, you will walk in his blessing each year as he leads you from redemption to glory. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Right. That's good. You know, just as a disclaimer, you know, the three of us here, we're just, you know, sharing things that we've learned ourselves. But we're in no way experts on this subject, right? Yes, that's correct. You know, but we know the importance of, you know, us as Gentile Western Christians. We want to understand what we've been grafted into, you know, into the body of Christ. And we just felt the need to share the insight and the beauty of what God has invited us to participate in. Yeah. So if we make any, you know, some mistakes here and there, you know, Cut us some grace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's you know. very interesting to us, the whole, the, the Jewish feast, all of it. You know, we've, right. we've learned so much about it over the past several years, mm-hmm. and and we've, we're learning to understand the beauty of it. Right. 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 So and the it's, importance. It's, it's like, it's not until you actually sit and experience yes. one that you can, you can experience it for yourself. Right. You know, but it, it's such a beautiful thing, which gave us the passion to talk about this today. Because yes, it's important. Just brings us all back to what Jesus did. Well, and I think there's more to even understand, you yeah. know, just more prophetic understanding right. of his feasts, his timing, his seasons, yes. and how... The cycles, all of it. Right. Even, you know, when we happen. understand, you know, the Greek calendar goes, it's... It's linear, right. you know, right? Left to right. Left right. to right. Just going in a straight line. You know, you're, we're, we're working from here and we're going to there. But God's calendar is cylindrical. Like it goes around and around. And when you learn something, you go up to another level and it goes higher and higher. You're ascending up to understanding, you know, things Revelation. from God's perspective, right. His revelatory wisdom and understanding, right? right? Mm-hmm. So we're learning things and we're even learning how how God thinks through these his feast. calendar, his seasons, times, yeah. the feast, right? And there's never a graduation. Well, right. <laughs> or there's until always we go to heaven, more to learn. Right? Right. Until right. we get into right. heaven, right? You know? Yeah. But yeah, so this has just been a learning process for us, and we just wanted to pour out some of the things that we yeah, learned. We hope it blesses you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely blesses us learning it. So again, you know, just email us if you have any questions or concerns. But mm-hmm. all right, that's all the time we have today. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion on the Jewish Biblical Spring Feast. Please join us next week. We'll be discussing the goodness of God. Yeah, and we just want to close with this scripture from Colossians 2, 16 through 17. So do not let anyone judge you because of what you eat or drink. Do not let anyone judge you about holy days. I'm talking about special feasts and new moons and Sabbath days. They are only a shadow of the things to come, but what is real is found in Christ. Mm, That's a good one. All right, today's episode was edited by the wonderful Caitlin Beck. Yay. She, she puts up with a lot. Thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> we appreciate all you do for us. And we want to reference those few books we talked about. The first one is Michael Norton. Uh, the title is Unlocking the Secrets of the Feast. Another one is by Dr. Richard Booker. 
celebrating Jesus in the biblical feast. And the last one we want to reference is A Time to Advance. And again, that's by Chuck, Beer, Chuck Pierce sorry, with Robert and Linda Heidler. And we also mentioned a few articles, so if you would like to check those out, we'll put the links in the notes section of this episode. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast, and the more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. So also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today, and we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3, that it's the number three, at gmail.com. Yes, and please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we just hope you'll join us next time, and remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. All right, until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.